that Satan is real and does exist. And um, next week, Dad is going to conclude the series on the Antichrist. Uh, but this week, the topic is about Satan. So why this message series is important, uh, you know, we can ask, well, didn't Jesus already defeat the devil? You know, so like, do we really need to learn about him if he's already uh, been defeated? And the answer is yes, because when he was cast down from heaven, he was cast to earth. Uh, and Jesus called him in John 14, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. That was That's the title that Jesus, so the devil is active and he came to kill, steal, and destroy. Um, and, and to be frank, we are under attack. That is the, the truth of it. Uh, your home is under attack. Your finances are under attack. Your marriage is under attack. Your kids are under attack. Your faith is under attack because the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. That is his whole mission. But thank the Lord that God came for us to have life and life abundantly. And because Jesus has conquered Satan, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory, but it's still a fight. <clears throat> it's still a fight. Just because we are going to have a healthy Patrick Mahomes and, and run the table the rest of the season doesn't mean we're not going to watch any film on what the opponent does, right? Doesn't mean we're not going to learn about the strategies or schemes of the opposition. And today we're going to learn about the strategies and schemes of the opposition because he is on the attack. And in the areas of life where, where, where things matter most, that's where he wants to attack you. That's where he wants to attack you. And that's what we're going to look at. So, have you ever thought you could get away with something? My wife and I are trying to go one month without eating out. So please keep us in your thoughts and prayers during this difficult season. We realized when looking at the budget, you know, pulling up the Bank of America and looking at how much we spent, we realized how much money we spent at restaurants. Now one month, we spent just at McDonald's almost $100. And before you judge, I want you to imagine driving around in a minivan with two girls in the back seat that have a Happy Meal addiction that is the strongest addiction known to mankind. So this is how McDonald's, McDonald's had Happy Meals for $3. And then they raised the price. But now while we spend more on McDonald's, and I'm getting off track, but you get the idea. This is a difficult time. So last week, we were at one weekend, and uh, we had a, a, an indoor swimming pool party for one of the cousins, and we, uh, I was taking the girls and I was like, we're not going to get home without, you know, like they haven't eaten all afternoon. They've been swimming, they're going to be hungry. And so I told Lauren, like, I'm going to stop and get the girls something to eat. And Lauren said, okay, but you can't get anything to eat, right? Because you are sticking to our pact, our deal and our agreement. I said, okay, I can't get anything to eat. I will be a good father and provide for my children. And we will keep our deal that I will not get anything to eat. And so being the shrewd, wise person that I am, I have apps on my phone to get deals at restaurants. And uh, I probably should have deleted the apps for this month since we're not eating out. But I noticed on the Wendy's app, you can get free single cheeseburger, free Dave single cheeseburger with any purchase. And so I'm thinking if I'm going to get the girls a four for four anyway, it would be a tragic waste if I didn't take advantage of the free single that is available on the app. And I thought about this, like, so I know Lauren's going to check the bank account, but if this is free, she's just going to see the amount that I spent on the girls. And I, in my head, I'm covering my steps for how I can get away with what I'm trying to get away with. So I take advantage of the offer, and I'm going to take care of all the trash, and the girls got their food, and Lauren's never going to know, and it's all going to work out. We're going to still have our deal. The, the, the month we're still going to be on, and 
When I walked in the door, Lauren already knew. Because Brecken was faster than me. Because I'm getting Nellie out of the car. And the first question Brecken asked Nellie, or Lauren asked Brecken was, did Daddy eat anything? And of course, Brecken snitched me out. And so we had a talk that night about what happens to snitches in our house. And the lesson. Have you ever deceived yourself? Have you justified your actions? And as you can tell, I didn't need any help. No one had to in to the, the, the justification of the action that I took. And sometimes that's, that's how we are. Uh, sometimes we just, we sell ourselves on an idea. Uh, and sometimes, listen to the thoughts. Listen to the thoughts you tell yourself about an idea. Because you can talk your into, self into a lot of things. Um, but sometimes, even though we don't need any help, there is someone that's trying to deceive us. And Satan, that's his job. That's what he tried. He's all about deceiving us. Before we sin, Satan tells us it's a big deal. Um, no one's going to find out. Everybody does this. You deserve this. You're not going to get caught. It's just one time. That's the type of deception that, that Satan wants to plant in your head. And then after you sin, he heaps the guilt. He heaps the shame and condemnation. And he says, wow, look at you. How could you do that? Who do you think you are? You are pathetic. You are ruining your life with the decisions that you make. That's one of the tricks that the, that the devil does. My big idea today is this. It's that the devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin but calls you by your name. Three, three things that the Satan is. <laughs> Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He's the deceiver. Satan is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. And Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. And I'm going to give you handles on these three things, but this is where we're going today. He's the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. He's the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. And he's the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. Satan loves to twist things. Now, have you ever been wrong? What does it feel like to be wrong? Feel like to be wrong. Being wrong feels right. Being wrong feels right because when you're wrong, you don't know that you're wrong. Knowing you're wrong is when you be like, "Oh, I wish I, I I I I see things differently now." But being wrong actually feels right because you're right. Too many people are confidently walking down a path of life that is headed in the wrong direction. Wrong feels right until you realize you're wrong. And if you thought about it, you could probably think of a time where you saw the train wreck coming in someone else's life and they didn't see it coming because being wrong feels right. We are deceived. We are deceived. We know we are going to hear lies at some point, so how can we stand firm? How can we discern? How can we be wise and know when we're wrong? Satan is the deceiver who attacks your mind with lies. Satan has a lot of names, and one of them is the father of lies. In John 8, 4, 4, Jesus said, You belong to your father. He was talking to the Pharisees at this point. The devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is full of lies. Jesus tells us that, that he's the father of lies. So 
I want you to think about this question. What lies does the devil tell you? What lies does the devil tell you? You know know what he tells me? He tells me I need more. He tells me that I need more. What I have is not enough. He wants to take away my contentment. He wants to say, you're not really providing. You need more. You need to do more. You know, and you haven't taken them on the vacation that you need. You don't treat your wife enough. You need more. You don't have enough shoes. You don't have that vacation. You know, whatever it is, he t- I need more. I have this struggle that I have to push down because I want stuff. I want stuff. I see, I see things. I, I need that. I, I need that. One of the lies that, that the devil tells me is that I need more. And he wants to take away my contentment. He wants to take away my contentment and my joy by telling me this lie that you need more. That's why we have to we have to live by the spirit. Living by our flesh, the flesh is always going to want more. We have a choice each day to live by the Holy Spirit or to live by the flesh. It is going to look after you and what you want and your only your desires while the spirit is going to look out for really what God has for you, which is the abundant life. He wants to take away your contentment. I don't know what lie he tells you, but I want you to think about that. And I want you to contemplate, does the devil tell you? Because God has given me blessings of of my family, and he's given me so many blessings, but he still wants to take away my contentment by telling me that I need more. And take away that, that contentment that I have. Satan is the deceiver who tries to attack your mind with lies. What lies does the devil tell you? Have you ever looked back and thought about a mistake you made and thought, what was I thinking? How could I have been so dumb, so stupid? And we were, at some point, we're all deceived. Why did I buy that? Why did I say that? Why did I go there? Why was I that way? Sometimes you can turn on the TV and you can see someone make a, a dumb mistake. And you think like, whoa, like how did, how did they do that? Right? How did they end up there? And you know what the answer is? Because they believed the lie that the devil was, was telling them. And if you look back at, you know, your mistakes, your greatest regrets, a couple things have in common. One, you were there. You were there for all your greatest regrets. I was there for all my greatest regrets. And all of my greatest regrets, I was deceived because I was believing a lie of some kind. The devil twists things, and he's been twisting things for thousands of years. The Israelites were slaves, and they came out of and they saw God do all of the miracles, right? The plagues, let my people go, parting the Red Sea. And these people that have seen these miracles, that have seen what God is doing in their life, they get out into the desert and they start to believe the lies that God is not enough, that God is not for them, that God's not looking out for them, that God is not good, that God is not providing. Because they say in Numbers 11, they begin moaning, we don't have any meat in Egypt. We could eat all the fish we wanted and there were cucumbers and melons and onions and garlic, but we're starving out here. The only food that we have is manna. They were believing a lie. Moses, in response to this, he goes to God, and Moses is so distraught, he says, 
I can't do this anymore. They're in the middle of God's purpose. And Moses cries out to God in the middle of Numbers 11 and says, take my life from me. I cannot bear this. I cannot live anymore because they were believing a lie. Sometimes you see on the news, you know, someone like Anthony Bourdain, right, who takes his life. He's like, that guy had a dream job, right? He gets to travel the world. He gets to, you know, eat all this great food. Like, you know, who who wouldn't want to live the life of Anthony Bourdain? And then we see how his life ends, and you can't help but, like, how did he, how did that happen? How how do you explain that? Well, he was believing a lie of some kind. I'm not saying that's the only answer. I know there's more to it, but he certainly was was believing some lies. That's why I think that we should pray this. Proverbs 38, Proverbs 30, verse 8 says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. You want to know, what's a, if you ever wonder, like, what's, what prayer I can say for my kids? What's a good prayer I can say? What's a verse I can pray? Proverbs 38, keep falsehood and lies far from me. And when you first read that, you might think, well, okay, I, like, I, like, I don't want people around me to lie. Like, you don't want Satan's lies to infiltrate your mind and you fall prey to them. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Another prayer I've been praying for a little over three years is this simple one. It's, Jesus, help me to see as you see. Help me to see as you see. And if you take nothing else from this sermon, take that prayer, because Jesus will answer that prayer. Jesus wants to answer that prayer. And when you see as Jesus does, you will not, you, you, you won't fall truth to the lies, because you can see through those lies. A simple prayer. I pray every night with the girls. Help me to see as you see. Help us to see as you see, Jesus. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Don't fall prey to the deception that Satan, Satan wants to work in your life. I don't know what lie he tells you, but whatever it is, don't fall for it. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Help me to see as you see. Satan is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. Satan is the destroyer who attacks your will with pride. Pride makes you more with who is right than what is right. It puts you, you above others. It makes it harder to love others. It makes it harder to surrender because it is putting your focus solely on you. Have you ever noticed when things are going good, those are the times when maybe you, you'll slip on reading your Bible. Maybe you realize like things are and you, you, you sit back and think like, wow, I, I can't really remember the last time I, I sat down and, and, you know, prayed or, or really spent time with God or, or really it's because we kind of think like, well, things are going well. Like I got this figured out. I'm doing pretty good. We don't realize our need for God necessarily. Pride is, is, is putting ourselves first. And in, in America, sometimes we struggle because we self-reliance. We think that is a good thing. You know, I, I remember being taught things like, um, you know, hard work, and, and, and that's obviously a good American value, and self-reliance, and, and kind of the idea of like the, 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 the only uh, a hand you can rely on is the one at the end of your sleeve, like that type of American spirit. It's, it's, that's not all bad, but self-reliance sometimes has us so inward focused that we're putting our desires and our goals and our preferences first, and that's certainly what culture will tell you that you should put number one first. But the problem with that is a little bit of success, and we are sitting on the throne as we place our faith in the one we depend on the most. We place our faith in the one we depend on the most. And when we're having success, sometimes we put our faith in ourselves because we did the hard work, we got there, and that's how pride can slip in. And pride is so hard to see in the mirror. And that's why... You can pray this. It's Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, anything in me that offends you, and lead me in the way of everlasting. That's a powerful prayer right there. Psalm 1, 23 and 24. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. Point number three. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. The Greek word accuser is diablos, and it's used 35 times in the New Testament. It's translated the devil or the adversary or the accuser. Um, accusations like you don't measure up. Accusations like you're failing as a parent. Accusations like that person at work doesn't like you. That person on social media doesn't like you. Accusations like your best days are behind you. Accusations that will have you anxious, that will have you stealing your joy. Accusations can come at any time after this service. Lauren can tell you that this is true. I've done this only a few times, but I've done this long enough to know that after this service, I will go home and I will be flooded with doubt. No matter if one person shakes my and says, or no people, or every it does not matter. I will go home and I will turn on the Chiefs game and thankfully have something to distract my mind. I'll be flooded with doubt and anxiety that I didn't reach anyone, that I wasted my words, that I was ineffective, that I was, that's just how I am. I know I know what's going to happen. Doubt can come at any time. These accusations, this is how accusations can be. I remember watching Brecken t- play t-ball, and she's playing in the dirt, and I have this accusations coming in my mind. I'm like, you're not a good parent. Look at your child out there playing in the dirt. It's like, that's a little thing, right? Like, it's funny. Like, every, I mean, almost every, Plays in the dirt, right? And T-ball. I remember thinking in my head, I don't know if it was, I'm thinking like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed right now. Like, I, I, I'm not doing a good job. Like, I need to go home and, and I need to get a glove in her hand. I need to get a bat in her hand. We got to start playing because I can't, I'm not making it as a father. If my kid's not out there playing the game, if she's playing in the dirt, what am I doing dad? Accusations can come at any time. They can be heavy. They can be Kind of lighthearted that last one. But have you ever had voices at night make you squirm in bed? Have you ever had voices at night that make it so you don't even want to get up the next morning? Because you don't want to face him. You don't want to face her. You don't want to go there because of these accusations that you have at night. And that is because the devil will put accusations in your head. And those voices... They are from the enemy. I want to read this verse for you. It's from Revelation. Revelation 12.10 says, uh, this is John writing, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God, when? Day and night. Day and night. Satan will try and get inside your heart. He's going to try to get inside your head. He's going to try to get inside your heart. Jesus said, out of the heart the man speaks. If something is out, and that's why it's it's so important that you got to be careful and you got to get quiet sometimes and you got to think, you know, maybe before you go to bed, maybe when you wake up, whatever, and you got to think, is there something in my heart? Whether it's anger, whether it's bitterness, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's greed, whether it's lust, whether it's pride, because if it's if it's in your heart, it's going to come out at, at some point. Accusations will want to make you feel isolated. Have you ever thought about reaching out to someone and you think, I really need to connect with them. I need to text them. I need to call them. We need to get together. 
Accusations want to isolate. I was watching a 30 for 30. I don't know if you, any of you have seen the 30 for 30s. ESPN does documentary stories about sports. It's a 30 for 30, you know, about a successful athlete who uh, uh, he was born into absolutely nothing, into the uh, never knew had overcame, you know, the odds to be an incredible college athlete and a professional millions, had all of this success, and he was talking about regret he had looking back at his life. So much regret because he wasn't there for his daughter. In the interview, he's like, I know I call my daughter. I know I should tell my daughter I love her. But he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. Why wouldn't he do it? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't he just text her daughter? I mean, there's nothing stopping. They could have had coffee the next morning. They could have had lunch the next day. Why won't we sometimes reach out to people that we, we know we should connect with them? We know we should try to encourage them. We know we should be there. We know we should let them know we love them. But we still, we still struggle to do that. The enemy wants us to be he wants to plant those doubts, those accusations. Well, they're not going to have time for you. They're not going to want to hear from you. They don't really care about you. You're going to be wasting your time. You're going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to be hurt again. Whatever it is, he wants to, he, he's going to put those thoughts in your head. They might reject you. You might be a burden to them. He wants to bring those, those accusations out. I might make them un- uncomfortable. Those thoughts are not true. The devil is our accuser. But the good news is that Jesus is our advocate. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our advocate. When, you do, when you've done something wrong, it's important to learn to distinguish between accusation and conviction. Actually, the devil, the accuser, wants to drive you away from God. He wants to destroy relationships. He wants to have you feeling isolated and alone. Conviction leads us to God. Accusation has us feeling shame, has us feeling like we are not enough, like we cannot be forgiven, like we cannot be loved. Conviction leads us to... Satan wants to keep on accusation. God offers us the conviction, the grace, the love. Satan accuses, he wants you to feel shame, experience regret and remorse, but the Spirit wants to draw you into the presence God's grace, which is always there for us. Shame is like this. I heard someone say this so much and I loved it. Shame is like um, if you're holding on to something, um, if you're holding on to, to this water bottle, you know, we, 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 we kind of wear shame um, like a mask. Um, so we think people really knew about everything about us. They wouldn't love us. They wouldn't accept us. They wouldn't, wouldn't think highly of us. And so we put on a mask to put our best foot forward and, and try to hide that stuff that we don't want anyone to see. But it's like this water bottle. How much is this water bottle? Five ounces maybe, right, with the water and the plastic, five ounces. Can I hold this water bottle up the rest of the service? Yeah, that's, that's no problem. Can I hold this water bottle for two hours? Yeah, I mean, my arm would get a little sore. But can I hold this water bottle up for 24 hours straight? Not physical. Get out. When we have a mask to try and cover up our shame, at some point, we got to take the mask off. We got to find healing. And the good news is we can find healing from that shame, but only if we take it to the one that can handle it. 
accuser will say, you've got to handle all of that on your own. Way to deal with it. Maybe look in self-help, but maybe, you know. But Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. My burden is light. Right? Our job is just to, to bring it to him. He's going to do the work. He's going to do the repair. We've got to bring it to him. I'm going to read a few verses in Ephesians, and then we're going to close. It's going to talk about this. The fact that we know that we are facing a deceiver, a destroyer, and accuser, what should we do? What should we do? How do we face the deceiver, the destroyer, and the accuser? Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. So let's take a look. The verses are going to be up on the screen. We're going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. And so at the end of this book, at the end of Ephesians, he says there's these verses, and, 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 and you, first you might think, like, what's going on here? What is Paul talking about? But... But I'm going to explain it. It's going to help us so much. So Paul says, I want you to put on the full armor of God. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. Let me uh, back up a little bit. Uh, so finally, uh, <laughs> finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's what schemes. The devil is a schemer, and we just covered what his schemes are. The accusations, the deceit, the lies. He has these schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done and stand firm, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's what Paul tells us to do. Now, there's a lot there, but if you ever want, like, what is the answer, right? The devil, he's got schemes. What is the answer? Here it is right here. But the devil's schemes, he wants to twist things. He wants to take something like, um, you know, desire. Desires are a good thing. We should have desires. But he wants to take desire, um, and he wants to take it to where desire becomes, um, you know, a, 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 a negative. It, it becomes greed, for example. Um, and he wants to twi- twist things. But as we read about what the, the remedy is, as we read about Paul says, this is what you should do. Putting on the armor. How do we do this? How do we how do we do this? This is this is a lot to unpack. And since we can't focus on all of it, I want to focus on one, and that's the one thing that is the offensive weapon because uh, we want to be able to to do that. And that is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. At the very end, there it says, "Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God." Only one of these weapons is offensive, and that's the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We will always be playing defense until we dig into the Word of God and use it. Hebrews says the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Satan's going to try and twist it because Satan said the Bible, and you've probably heard him before, right? It's an old book. It wasn't really written by God. It was written by men. Certainly, it's not all true, right? There's some things, and there's some errors, right? You know the errors. You can't really believe, right? He wants to plant these lies in our mind. Stink like really need to read the Bible, you know. I mean, sure, you know, I can take a verse out for encouragement every once in a while, and that's going to help me, but do I really need to read it? And Paul would say, yes, absolutely you do. It is relevant. It is the weapon that we have. We have this, we have it on our phones. If you don't have it on your phone, you you, you should have it on your phone. 
Uh, the YouVersion Bible app is amazing. But whether it's on your phone or whether you're reading it, you know, the, 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 the hard copy book, we have to be spending time in it. The Bible reading plans uh, on the app are, are amazing. Just the other day, one, one small thing I, I, I've tried to do is I will, I will send someone a reading plan that I've read and just like, hey, you know, check this out. This encouraged me. It might encourage you. And I got a text from someone the other day. I, I, I wasn't even thinking about that person. I had sent them a reading plan a few weeks ago. And they said, I just want you to know would have read it if it wasn't for you. It's like I, It took me 10, 15 seconds to send that to them. There's someone in your life that you feel like maybe you need to encourage. And you've been praying for him. But you're like, how can I encourage him? You know, well, there's these Bible reading plans. It's a simple way right there. Jesus wants to speak to you, and how is he going to do it? The main way is through it. Yes, he's going to use the Holy Spirit. Yes, he's going to speak to you, but he's going to use it through his word. Make a commitment. Make a commitment to start spending time in the Bible. Text someone and do it together. Sign up for a reading plan, but make a commitment to spend time in the word. We start each week by coming to church. That's how we start the week. We come to church together and we worship together. That's how we start the week. Right? And when we get a paycheck, we start by giving back to God. We start our mornings, what's the best way to start your mornings? Pray and read your Bible. That is the recipe for for walking with God, for thwarting the schemes that the devil trying to twist and do what he wants to do. In closing, I'm going to read two verses from James. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does it mean to humble ourselves? It's taking away any, any pride. It's praying that prayer from Psalm 139. Lord, search me. Know my thoughts, my anxious thoughts. Find anything in me that offends you and lead me in the way of everlasting life. Stripping ourselves of that pride. I also think it's important that this verse in James, it says, humble yourselves. Not yourself, but yourselves. That plural. We need to do this together. It's easy to be humble by yourself. How do you be humble by yourself? You just think I'm humble, right? And then you're humble by yourself. That's what we do, right? We, 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 that's easy. But together, when you're, when you're con- talking to someone and they were being, and you thought, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should take off the mask. Maybe I do need to be real with them, but you don't want to, right? There's that pushback, like, we keep it together. I don't want to air it out right now because we, we have a hard time around others being exercising humility. But true humility is demonstrated in relationships. We know that. When was the last time you humbled, your, you humbled yourself with a family, family member or another brother or sister and said, I, I need help, I'm struggling? I thought I could kick this. I thought I could fix this on my own, but I've tried and, and I, can't, I, don't know, I don't know what to do anymore. It takes humbling yourself to get there, to truly go to someone and I, I've tried, and I can't. Can you pray with me? Can you help me? Together, we can find healing. Now, I'm not just making this up like this is good advice. If it was up to me, you could do it on your own. Because you know what I want to do? I want to do it on my own. I want to be self-reliant. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I want to do that. 
I don't want to talk to Lauren when I've messed up. Or, or whoever it is. I don't want to do that. But it says right there, and I'm not saying in every instance you have to. That's, that's not the case. But if there is something that you can't find healing from, if there's something that you can't find, if it's something you can't find freedom from, that's what James says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So here's this question. Do you need to find freedom from something? Do you need to find freedom from, from something? Maybe it's something the devil's tri- twisted. Maybe it's, it's, it's a scheme that you fell for and you never even thought about it was a scheme. Maybe it's just something that's there. It, did you know it's possible to be saved and still not have freedom in an area of life? Just because you get saved and you are going to heaven doesn't mean that you have freedom from, from everything. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. But the good news is God is there for us. He wants to deliver you from it. But God is not going to deliver you from something that you choose to put in your life. If you choose to put something in your life and keep it there, how's God going to deliver you from that? We got a recipe for what to do. We have to ourselves together. Confess, we have to pray, and that is how you find freedom. I'm preaching to myself. Hard. But if you need to find freedom from something, I want you to think about these questions. 2 Corinthians 2 says we have to renounce the hidden things of shame. So I want you to think about these questions. What do you need to confess? Who do you need to confess it to? What are you going to confess? Who do you need to confess it to? Certainly not everyone on Certainly not up here in front of the entire congregation, everybody that's here. But there's probably one person. And when are you going to do it? Because if there, if you need to find freedom from something, you can. You can. But you have to humble ourselves. We have to fall through. We have to take that step. We have to take that action and pray. Because this will bring healing. It will bring freedom. Now, when you answer these questions, if you're, if you're answering those questions in your head, you know what's It might be in 10 minutes. It might be 10 hours. But sometime, the devil's going to creep in and be like, you didn't really mean that. You didn't really say that. You, you know, like, just calm down. Like, you don't really... It's no one else. You don't need to tell anyone. You don't need to go to the person. You don't need to do... You don't need to... Whatever lie he's going to tell, he's going to try to step in. They can't judge you. And, and, and those, those thoughts are going to come. It will ruin a good thing. If you do that, it will cause judgment. It's going to cause a fight. There's going to be strife. It's going to be weird. But Paul says, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm with the truth. Take a step out and God will bless it. He will bring healing. He will bring comfort. He will bring peace. If there's something you need to find freedom from. If there's something, if there's an area of your life where you just want peace and you know you can't do it on your own anymore, this is what you should do. The devil knows you by your name, but God, the devil knows you by your name, but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but calls you by your name. God's grace is enough. God is right there with us. His yoke is easy. His rest is light. He wants to provide peace for you. His grace is enough. He loves us so much. Will you bow your heads with me? 
Father, I thank you. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for the peace that you provide. I thank you for everyone in this room. And I ask that you will help us. Help us to find freedom. Help us to commit to humbling ourselves. Help us to commit to serving you. Father, I pray for anyone in here that needs to find freedom in an, in an area of life, that they will follow through. Father, we need your supernatural power. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need you to, to help us as we come to you, as we humble ourselves and come to you. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for healing. And I thank you for the work that you're going to do. You have a great plan for each one of us. You have a great purpose of life, abundant life, everlasting life. And we ask that you walk with us. Help us to follow you. Help us not to be deceived. Help us not to be filled with pride. Help us not to hear those accusations. Help us to have peace of mind. Help us to be filled of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness. That's what we want, Father. So fill us with that. And we thank you for the, for, for, for the work that you're going to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.